for you. You come right here, almost like an altar call. Okay? Right here, right here. Oh, come on. I'm sorry. I got I got doesn't smell. Um, let's get uh, let's get uh, Victor Roman up here. We want to just pray for these guys as they're heading into a new season of their life. What a big achievement, huh? Come on. Yeah, you're glad it's over. Come on. You? She's glad, but she wants to stay in Boston, and we wanted to stay in Boston. All right, let's just pray for our friends. Can we? You guys, just come on in. Father, we thank you for this milestone, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for what you have done, Lord, and God, their commitment to their studies, Lord, and as they enter into a new season, Lord, we just ask your favor and your blessing, Lord, to be upon them, Lord, as they head into uh, making decisions of work and and life and where they're going to be and what they're going to do. Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would lead them and guide their steps in Jesus' mighty name. So, Lord, we pray over their minds clarity. Just Lord, we pray over their minds, clarity of position, Lord, what you're calling them to, what, what you have for them, God, in this next season, Lord. And God, that they would have such tremendous favor. God, that you would open doors before them, God, and you would keep doors closed that shouldn't be open, Father. I just ask, Lord, for your perfect leadership to shine upon them in Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you. Your word says that you are the God who changes times and seasons. Father, I thank you for every son and daughter here, Lord, that you are so committed, God, to seeing them through the completion of everything you've started. And Lord, I just pray a confidence and such a peace would reside within them as there's unknowns before them, that Lord, you are the God who intentionally invests your your kingdom into their life, God, and that you are bringing into completion everything that you've started. And I just pray a peace, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, God. We ask you, we pray the verse that is, that says that I am the Lord God to give you, that gives you power to get wealth. God, I ask you that they will be reminded of this verse every day of their lives, wherever they go. We ask you in the name of Jesus Christ that it is the Lord that gives them power to get wealth, power to get, to, to, to get ahead in life. God, we ask you even to sensitivity for the Holy Spirit. We ask you that you touch their ears, their hearts and minds for sensitivity of what is your will for their lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask you blow sensitivity, God, in the name of Jesus Christ. God, we all know that these people have blessed our community in, in each of uh, in their individual ways, God. So, Lord, I just ask so, uh, for whatever part of the country, part of the world, these people uh, land in, God, that you will surround them. Uh, with amazing people, uh, God, with a, with a great community, those who sharpen and those who just allow them to grow in, uh, into their uh, fullest potential, oh, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would forever be their guide as you have promised to be. And, Lord, we just declare that over them today, God, that their uh, steps are directed by you. Lord, I would thank you that they are children of Abraham, and they will be a blessing to every person they encounter and every place will be changed by the power of the holy spirit because you mark them you mark them to change this world in the name of jesus so we speak lord direction we speak lord favor we speak your father's blessings and information father we thank you for your divine protection for boldness father to declare that they are unique 
position, Lord, in every place. And Lord, I thank you that you're going to use them as a blessing to this world in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, as they head out into society and their jobs, God, I ask, Lord, that you would make them salt into the earth and align, Lord, into the, the peoples of the earth, Jesus. I just ask, Lord, for the ability to trust in you, God, in this season maybe of uncertainty and placement, God, that they would trust in you, realizing, God, that you are for them and not against them. In Jesus' name. Lord, I just thank you that they're walking into their inheritance, Lord. They are putting into progress or putting into practice, Lord, what they have been studying. And I pray that verse that you prayed over Joshua, Lord, that they would fear not, that they would be courageous, Lord, and that they would know that you are with them, that you are leading and guiding their steps, Lord. I pray that you would go before them, Lord, that your presence would go before them and behind them. Be their rear guard, Father. I pray for such confidence in their steps, knowing that you have led them this way and that you will continue to lead them well, Lord. So we love you, and I pray that you would mark them with your seal of approval, Lord, a seal that they have done well, that they are your sons and your daughters, and that they are well-loved. We thank you, Lord, for these things. Amen, guys. Listen, we love you. We're going to miss you. I think we're going to see some of you um, throughout the seasons. But anyways, be blessed. We love you guys. We, um, we had planned to bring some books and some material that we bought for you guys. We really didn't know how many of you would show up today, so um, will you guys be here next Sunday? Raise your hand. You won't be here next Sunday. You'll be here next Sunday. Raise your hand if you'll be here next Sunday. Okay, good. I have presents and gifts for you. Thank you, Lord. Well, how's everybody doing today? Good? Steve is doing good. That's good. How are you guys doing today? Come on. Come on. Well, I got the privilege of bringing you guys the word today which I'm very excited, and we are following, uh, or we're in a series right now on inner healing. It's our second Sunday. I'm going to try to not live up, but kind of uh, match the big shadow that my wife cast last Sunday, because we have all throughout the week heard about her message and how good it was, not just from our friends here, but people literally all over the nation. Um, just because we put it on Facebook and it just kind of went out and everybody's just, well, they're ecstatic and they love it and they've been sending their love and just their uh, appreciation for the message. So I hope to follow that up. Uh, so, Lord, I ask that your grace would rest upon me and, God, that you would give me the ability to speak clear, Lord, your word. And, Lord, not only just speak your word, but, Lord, we ask for the demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. God, we realize that words can be empty without the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And we love you, Holy Spirit. We count you as the third person of the Trinity. And Lord, we love that you gave us a comforter. And we thank you, Lord, that he ministers to us. He delivers us. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that has set us free, that sets us free. And we just ask that that power would be here in this place as we engage in the word of God this evening. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Now I know for some of us here today, the topic of inner healing may be a new thing. Um, for some of us, or for maybe most of us, inner healing is not a new thing at all, a new term. We've heard it. Um, we've probably even experienced um, uh, different ministries that have 
that, that, that really are specific and tailor-made to uh, the place of inner healing. Um, but I just want to say this, that it's very biblical, and we're going to go to the Bible, um, and we're going to discuss this because um, I love the Holy Spirit. Some people would call me a charismatic. I just like to say, no, I love the Holy Spirit. Um, if that, if that, if that it puts me in a category as ca- um, charismatic, then so be it. Um, but I also love the Word of God. And there has to be balance here. There has to be the Holy Spirit and the Word. So we're going to look to the Word uh, first here. And then we're going to ask that the Lord would confirm the preaching of the Word by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And some of you are already wanting to leave. But please don't. It's going to be good. And you don't want to miss out. If you would, turn with me to Matthew 23, 27 through 28. Two verses in the Gospel. I just want to say that I think that Jesus... Um, clearly talks about the inner person in this chapter. Probably uh, more clear than I've, I've seen throughout both the Old and the New Testament. Um, but first, before I, I go there, um, Paul said in 2 Corinthians, you don't have to turn there, 4.16, he said, Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed, Day by day. You may say, why the heck are you talking about your inner man? I just want to say that we have an inner man as well as we have an outer man, according to Paul's definition. You know, I'm not just making this stuff up. We we have, there is an outer core and there's an inner core of Daryl Temple today and all of us as believers, if if you would put it that way. And that's exactly how Paul is putting it. He's saying, listen, your outer man, this body is decaying and it's Every day getting closer to the grave. But your inner man, this inner place, is being renewed by the Spirit day in and day out. He also references the inner and outer man in Romans 7.22 and Ephesians 3.16. But I love how Jesus puts it in Matthew 23, 27 and 28. Now when I read this, you're going to be like, really? How, what are you, where are you going with this, because honestly, Jesus in this whole chapter is confronting the hypocrisy of the Pharisees of religious people, and so I think that in these two verses, there's just a little bit more to look into and to discover, because we generally go to just the criticism or the accusation that Jesus had against these religious people. When Jesus said something profound in these two verses, when it comes to the inner man and his concern for the inner man, let's look at it. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurities. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now, I just want to take all the negative uh, words, what we might see as negative words out of that. I just want to look where Jesus says to them, listen, on the outside, you're looking pretty good. You wore your three-piece suit. You got your Bible in your hand. You're paying your tithes. You know, you're looking good. You're looking like good religious people. But he says, listen, I care much more than just the outward appearance, right? This is This is gospel 101, right? Easy stuff. I care about what? The inner man. Again, Jesus says, listen, there is an outer man and there is an inner man. Remember, what was it? The prophet, when he went to go look for the new king of Israel, uh, when King Saul 
God was done with King Saul and he wanted to anoint a new king. The prophet goes, David's dad presents uh, his sons, but one, David's up in the hills because sure, surely he can't be the one, right? And what does God speak to the prophet? He says, look it, don't judge by the outward appearance. For I look at the inward heart of a man, right? God, it is, let me just say, Jesus God cares about the inner man. What does that mean? That means it doesn't matter what I look like and how I've dressed today and how nice my hair is, which it's not. But and just let me think it is, okay? Just entertain me for a little bit. Okay, I know I ain't got a lot to work with, but, you know, I'm trying the best I can. But God cares far much more about the outer man, about the inner man, sorry, than he does the outer man, doesn't he? And he emphasized this beyond all the negative spin that you can see in this scripture. He emphasizes this in Matthew 23, verses 27 and 28. Listen to what it said in uh, Psalms 51, verse 6. He says, behold, this is the psalmist saying, you desire, you being God, desire truth in the innermost being. And all, I'm sorry, and in the hidden part, you will make me known wisdom. No wisdom. Again, just some more scripture that, that points out the emphasis that, that scripture and God puts on the inner man. So where am I going with this? Well, if you would, just entertain me and turn to Psalms 34, one verse. And this is going to be um, the springboard into my message today. One verse, Psalms 34, 18. And this is what it's written. It says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are what? Crushed. Now, most of us here can relate to the second half of this verse, can't we? We can't necessarily relate to the first. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one. But the last thing I feel is the Lord's nearness in a season of brokenness. Uh, the last thing I think the Lord... Uh, would desire to do is actually be near me when I am broken. And, and, and hear me, this isn't a godly sorrow. This isn't a godly brokenness. This is a brokenness that has come into, because, into the psalmist's life or how he's betraying, if you study it, is it's because of sin. He is broken over the condition of his heart. And he says, truly, God, how can I be this double-minded man? I love you, but yet I love pleasure. I love sin. And he comes to this revelation in Psalms 34, 18. He says, God, you are close. You are near to those who are brokenhearted. You are, you want to rescue those who have been crushed in spirit. Come on. There's good news there, isn't there? But why is it that we feel as though the last thing God wants to do is be near to us when all we want to do is hide because we love him. But yet, in our own strength, in our own lives, we can't, and I use this word loosely, we can't prove that love because we are so weak, we are so broken. If I could just ask us to be honest, if we could take that religious mask off, that, 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 that angst to just appear a certain way, as a certain person, in a certain strength, if we could just rip away those falsehoods and be who we truly are, what is that? I don't know, but when I see myself, I see a weak, broken, crushed, 
sinful individual who needs a savior. That might be too drastic for you. You're like, you're our pastor, my God. Listen, even my righteousness is as filthy rags. Come on. But, but at the end of the day, I have to be honest and say, no, God, I am weak. I am broken. I am crushed. And somewhere in here, the psalmist is saying, listen, you have to believe that in these moments, that God is not far off. He is not surprised by our brokenness. He is not caught off guard by our brokenness and our sin. It's not like a big shock to him. He understands and he loves us anyways. Not only does he love us, the, the word here says, and all through Psalms 34 says, is that he's near. Get that in your hearts today. He's near. He's close. Not only is he near, but the psalmist goes on to say he rescues. <laughs> I just snorted there. You saw that. Yes. Because it excites me that Jesus doesn't just leave me in my depravity and my brokenness. But he takes charge. He stands up and says, no, I'm going to rescue you. I'm not only near you, but I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to deliver you. Come on. Is there not good news in this passage of scripture? Some of you are convinced. You know, I found throughout my life that the issue of brokenness, being broken, you know, being, being crushed, being a sinful man is really not the issue at all. It's how I handle being broken. It's how I handle uh, uh, the, the perplexities, if that's a right word. Christina, can I get perplexities? Amen. Hallelujah. The perplexities of life. Steve, it's okay. Don't worry. Seem to come in. And, and I find that it's not me being a broken man that really is important to God. It's how I'm handling that pressure. Those things that seem to derail us. Come on, can, can I, anybody relate? Have you ever felt like your life is really just, it's, it's, it's kind of just like a, a roller coaster ride? Uh, uh, a series of up and downs. One day you're on the heights and you're like, glory be to Jesus. Next hour you're down in the valley. and You're like, what is going on? So I find that it's not necessarily this roller coaster ride uh, that is the problem, but it's how I respond. It's how I respond. You know, I find, well, we'll not go there. I'm going to give a quick little story. Most of you have heard my testimony. Some of you have not. I've been very open uh, about uh, my, my, my past. Um, and, uh, and I'm just going to share a bit of a story on the effects of, of um, emotional trauma. Because that's really where I want to go today. Um, when I was young, um, not necessarily now, my dad is a God-loving, God-fearing man. He loves Jesus. He serves the church. He's just, he's a great guy. But it wasn't all that, all, always that way. Uh, when we were younger, he was an alcoholic. He just, he loved the booze. And unfortunately, when he would drink, he would become very just angry. He would, a tyrant, a tyrant. He was just rage. Just, uh, he was emotionally abusive, physically abusive, 
verbally abusive. It just was not a pretty sight. And I remember experiencing and seeing my dad um, really just wreak havoc and be a tyrant in the house. And I knew that it affected me deeply. I knew that uh, I didn't quite know maybe the depth of how it was affecting me at that tender age of, of five to, through ten. But I knew, I knew that it was traumatizing me. I, I was literally gripped when I was a young kid by a spirit of fear. Because you never knew how dad was going to act when he came in from work. If he spent a couple hours at the local bar. Because if he spent a couple hours at the local bar and drank his head off, it's not going to be a good night, let's just say. And so this went on, and um, luckily for our family, in a Baptist church, my dad gave his heart to the Lord. Come on, you don't need charismatics, you know, you don't need a Pentecost, you know, you don't need, you, you, you can find Jesus in a Baptist church. And my dad did, and it was great. But I remember, um, that never happened for me at the age. When my dad found the Lord, I wasn't interested, you know, I was just like, let's go on, let's, all right, dad's saved as long as he is not drinking. And honestly, it was a quick transformation for my father. Literally, years of drinking, and then all of a sudden, he gave his heart to the Lord, and it was no more. But how do you do as a, or what do you do, being 15 years old now, with all the baggage of the, of the years of him being abusive and him being an alcoholic, what do you now do with that? What, what is it? And, I, and I guess for us, for me, what I did was just stuff it down. Just kind of, and, and you know, I really want to address the men here, because don't we have a tendency to stuff things down? Come on. Now, I knew a lot of girls were responding to Bethany's message, but you guys, come on. We are good at just, it didn't bother me. I'm good. Well, anyways, that's kind of what I did when my father gave his heart to the Lord. And it never really, I never really saw the effects of it until I was in my 20s. And the way that I saw the effects, there was many effects that it had on me. But one of the things that stood out to me as I was praying for us was, the way, one of the powerful ways it affected me was when I did um, actually um, eventually give my heart to Jesus and walking with the Lord. There was good men who were like father figure types that were trying to like father me and, and get near to me and get to know me. And man, I felt that same fear grip my heart. Man, the telephone would ring. I don't know if anybody you can relate. Was the telephone relate and be like, Pastor so and so? I'm just like, oh, I can't do it. Now that may seem weird to you. But I was traumatized. And I, I, I literally, in my 20s, probably for five years, I suffered with this. I pushed good, good, well-meaning, God-loving, God-fearing men away because I could not just reciprocate. I was bound by fear and the trauma. And I, I guess what it was for me is I went through, tracked through with emotional healing, a ministry that came through, luckily, uh, for me, I had a youth pastor that was very sensitive uh, to just inner healing ministry. And she, would have, she invited these ministries in. And lo and behold, we were able to unlock this thing in my heart just by forgiving my dad. I realized that I never forgave my dad for all those years. I just kind of got rid of it. I just, all right, he's saved. He's not doing it anymore. Awesome. Great, let's move on. And then years down the road, I find that I... And breaking out in hives and sweat, panicking when men are calling me that are older than me, that are like father figure types that essentially just want to pastor me, want to disciple me. Good, right? But I couldn't do it. I could not get past the emotional trauma 
of those years when my dad was abusive. Now, some of us don't have that story. Why am I bringing this up? Because it is very important to go back. Not to just say, oh, the situation has changed. See, that's what I did. I said, my father is no longer an alcoholic. Therefore, I should get over it, right? Unfortunately, I didn't have all the books you know, Emotional Healing 101, How to Forgive Your Abusive Dad. You know, we have a wealth of information now that can properly lead us through healing. But we didn't have it then. Why am I bringing this up? Well, I'm bringing this up simply just to, just to one, address the issue of emotional trauma. Because that's really, when you study brokenness in the Word of God, when you study even Psalms, um, Psalms 34, 18, you will find that there was trauma wrapped up in the psalmist's words. There was actually trauma that he was experiencing and facing. It doesn't get into what that trauma was or why that trauma was, but there was immense trauma that was wrapped up in those words of God, Lord, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And it's always, it's always good to go back. You know, even now, forgiveness is so important, isn't it? You look into the Word of God. You look at some of the things that Jesus said about forgiveness. It will, it's scary that my forgiveness towards another who sinned against me is, is powerful in the sense of God's forgiveness towards me. That went right over your head. Some of you got it, but it went right over your head. What Forgiveness is important to God, isn't it? And, and what does that mean? I have a duty to, to forgive those who have sinned against me. Those who have maybe caused pain in my life and trouble in my life. And we all have that duty. And let me just say it one more time. My forgiveness... God forgiving me has to do much with me forgiving those who have hurted me, who have hurted me, hurt me. I understand that I butcher the English language. Thank you, Steve. Funny story, side note. Um, I'm going to do this because it's just funny and Steve, uh, you know, he needs it. Um, and I said I'd do it, so I'm going to. I was breaking down the equipment here. This is how it all started. And... Um, uh, my wife was here praying for people. It's a funny story. Just hold on. Don't, don't, I don't. And Steve came up. He's like, hey, listen, Beth, great word. But why haven't you been preaching that much lately? We love Daryl, but we need more of you. I'm like, Steve, I'm right here. I can hear every word. Now, if you agree with Steve, don't you, don't you dare come to me and tell me that. No, I'm just joking. No, I love Steve. Luckily, well, I don't know if it's true, and I don't know if Steve just said it to help me emotionally, but um, I think Melina likes my preaching, so it's kind of ba- there's balance. I'm just joking. It's just funny, because you want to make Steve red. I don't know if it worked. Anyways, we love you, Steve. But it's important, isn't it, to forgive? It's important to forgive. <laughs> it all ties in. It's really like, What? Go get another brownie. The good news is what? The good news is that Jesus is a great physician, isn't he? And whole people need not apply to his workmanship. 
Jesus said it himself in Matthew 9, 12, that he didn't come for the whole. He didn't come for the healthy, but he came for who? The sick. He came for the broken. Come on. There's good news in that. So first point, God cares about the inner man. We have an inner man as well as an outer. (laughs) We are broken, and we should accept the fact that we are broken instead of trying to put an outward uh, bandage or a better face on. We just need to be okay with being broken and weak people. I don't know. There's something, there's something in me that always tries to be a, di- you know, I'm just going to do things different. I'm just, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to get rid of this. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that over there. I'm not going to do it. And then eventually, somehow, someway, I find myself right back in the same situation, facing the same giant, and say, God, and he just says, son, you are broken. Stop trying to be someone you're not. And I say, you're right. I'm not talking about just giving ourselves over to lawlessness. I'm just trying to introduce us to the fact that God sees us how we and who we really are. And he is not scared. He is not ashamed. He does not sit up in heaven and say, oh, you're not, you're unworthy. I can't look upon you. No. What does he say? No. I'm going to come near. I'm going to come very close. And I'm not only just going to come close, I'm going to rescue you. Come on. Amen. Turn with me to, is everybody doing okay? Okay. Psalms 147. Just to further prove my point about God's nearness, God's desire to help and to rescue. Psalms 147. One through three, we're going to read. I can get there. Psalms one forty-seven. One through three. How good to sing praises to our God! How delightful and how fitting! The Lord is rebuilding Jerusalem, and bringing the exiles back to Israel. He heals the brokenhearted, and bandages their wounds together. Now, for some of you, are like what? Right now, what's going on here in the book of Psalms is there are exiles that are coming back to Jerusalem as the city has been ravaged by war. It's been ravaged by the judgment of God. And these people have been split up. They've been pulled away from their families, maybe even had family members die. Trauma, absolute trauma. And Jesus, at, or God at this point, is not just rebuilding the infrastructure of Jerusalem, but he is rebuilding the inner men of his, the inner person of his people by healing those wounds and bringing together uh, that trauma and healing it and, and not just giving attention to uh, the, the structure and the marketplaces and the temple, but giving attention to the people and saying, listen, I know you're hurt. I know you've been pain over this. I know I did this. That's the funny thing about it is it was brought on by God. What they were experiencing was they were coming under the heavy hand of God's judgment. God was done, and then he rebuilded their land, but also rebuilded them as people by healing their wounds. Come on, somebody. That is awesome. Psalms 
I want to turn to one more portion of scripture in Second Samuel, and I'm going to close here. Second Samuel 12. We all know the story. Second Samuel 12, and I'm just going to uh, bring it back to um, what we discussed earlier earlier about about how the way we handle different things that pain us and trouble us. I think it's, hold on a second. Man, I, uh, okay, I'm in First Samuel, sorry. Second Samuel 12, there it is. Second Samuel 12. Now this is the story where David had fallen uh, with Bathsheba and sexual immorality. He had committed adultery, but he also committed a uh, murder. Everybody familiar with the story? Raise your hand. Okay. And so David constructs this plan to remove Bathsheba's wife, right? And he's removed and out of the picture, and he goes on. Um, unknowingly, the prophet comes to him, Nathan, and he confronts David with giving him a story. And, and you know the story. Uh, um, David comes out with zeal and says, listen, if it was all about a sheep who, uh, what, that was stolen from a poor man and all that stuff. And, and Nathan was like, what should we do with that man who stole the sheep? And and David was like, listen, that man should be put to death. We go get him. Go get him. Right? And, and Nathan comes out and says, well, David, you're that man. Obviously, he's just confronting David um, with David's own sin here. David um, is filled with guilt, and he repents. That's what the word says. I didn't say it. It's guilt. That's what he said. And the um, story goes on. Uh, David's in this now feeling the pressure of God's dealing with David's sin. Uh, because through that that adulterous adulterous relationship, um, Bathsheba became pregnant with David's son, and it's funny that in the Old Testament, when a man committed adultery, um, th- that man would be put to death, or that woman would be put to death, right? But here, God had mercy on David and decided to take David's son, which never happened in the Old Testament. And so, the story goes on where David is distressed. He is. He's anguish. He's in anguish, and he's in pain, and he's fasting. He is mourning. He's not washing himself. Yep, that's what the word says. He's laying on the ground in the palace. He won't come to dinner. He is absolutely torn and asking God to have mercy on this child. Because there's a seven-day span where this child's life was in jeopardy of being taken. So David in trauma, starts crying out to God. He says, Lord, spare this child. Have mercy on him. And so the story goes on. The Lord does exactly what he said he would, he would do to David's child, and he takes that child's life. And I want to bring this up in just in reference of how David handled this situation. You know, I don't care how any child is brought into the world, be it through sin or be it through a covenant marriage. A child is glorious. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Can I get an amen? And I could only imagine if I uh, was faced with this circumstance and it was my child, man, I, and any of us can put ourselves in that place and say, man, what would be my response? I know that I sinned, but I also know that God is merciful. And if he actually took my child in the midst of me crying out for that child to be spared, what would be my reaction? And I was floored by David's reaction. I was floored, and so weren't his servants. So weren't the people 
that were um, serving him and uh, working in the palace. Let's look to uh, verse 20. After David had heard the news, verse 20 of 2 Samuel 12, it says this, Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotions. Their, their people were probably like, thank you. He doesn't smell anymore. And changed his clothes. He went, what, to the tabernacle and worshipped the Lord. After that, he returned to the palace and he ate some food. Let's look at David's worship, can we? Turn with me to Psalms 37. No. Oh, no. I didn't write it down. (laughs) That was my closer. Praise the Lord. Hold on one, guys. Oh, no, Psalms 32. I did write it down. Just that is scroll Psalms 32. This is David's worship. This is actually David's song as he experienced the loss of this child. I'm just going to read a couple verses. This is his response to the Lord. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven. Because remember, God didn't hold it against David. It actually said in 2 Samuel... Nathan said to David, he said, listen, God is going to forgive you, but he's going to take your son. That is wild. If you actually think about how that, that adultery and um, murder were handled in the Old Testament, it was death. You're, 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 that's, ew. God's changing it up right there for David. That's Jesus type. Yeah, that's, that's, that's Jesus type new covenant being introduced in the Old Testament. I don't know why I'm getting so many blank stares. No, I'm just joking. Whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin has put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Now listen to this and put this in context to 2 Samuel 12, 20. Please don't check out with we're we're tracking here. Just let's follow this. This is David's word. I can't even can't even wrap my head around this. This is David's response to the loss of his child. Here he goes in verse 3, because this is important, and this is where I'm going to close. When I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy upon me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins. Finally, he became honest. I confessed all my sins and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. And all my guilt is gone. What is, what is the link between, between sin, unconfessed sin, and confess sin, if that makes sense. Now just track with me. Let's... Let's think about this. Now, if we, again, just referencing what I said about some of the things that Jesus said about forgiveness. And then giving my testimony about some of the ways that my dad's alcoholism and his abuse affected me. It was all... Now, I could say logically that I did nothing against my dad. Nothing. I was eight years old. I just wanted to play with Ninja Turtles and Tonka toys. But no, I had this tyrant of a father who wanted to disturb us and abuse us. I, you know, and, and logically at 20, I could say, what, why do I need to forgive my dad? 
What did I do to him? But see, in my heart, I judged my father for what he did. Now, this is just... This is just my story. I'm talking about the power of forgiveness, friend. I'm talking the, the, about the power of really repenting, confessing our sin. I tell you, I felt like David. Now, I just brought up one issue with the way that my father's abuse affected me. There was many. There was a laundry list of things. A laundry list of things that happened and I needed to work out. But I understood it was simply as easy as this forgiving my dad and repenting for the judgments that I had against him as a father. Now, I could have just sat back and said, no, many people do. Many people do. They just sit back and say, I've done nothing. But I had bitter roots of judgment in my heart towards my father where I was embarrassed. I was in shame, even though he was a godly man now, eight, ten years later. There's power in confession, friend. And though people may sin against us, we are faced with a choice to either sin against them or to forgive them. And, and we would find that a lot of our trauma, a lot of our brokenness are wrapped in stories just like mine. They may not be the same. They may be very different, somebody different, different family member, maybe not even a family member at all. But we will all be faced at some point in our life to either forgive and to confess and repent for some of our bitter roots of judgment. Or we can just stiffen our neck and say, no, I did nothing wrong. Because, again, it would be very easy for us to. And David here, how can I relate to this so many times as I was walking through Healing in the inner man. Healing in my emotions. How many times could I relate to feeling that? Um, right here when he says in verse um, uh, 4. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy upon me. My strength evaporated like water. The summer heat. But finally I confessed all my sins. I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself. I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. And all my guilt was gone. Now, it's very interesting to me. Oh, I'm not going to say that. So I guess my question is here today. What kind of emotional trauma are you experiencing? What, what kind of stuff have you just not faced and maybe not brought before the Lord? but you've rather just stuffed it down and forgotten about it, maybe even simply just forgotten about it. You know, I've, I've, I've been in the ministry quite some time. I've been able to uh, minister to a lot of people. And, you know, you know, you talk to any kind of victims, any kind of people who have been under any kind of abuse. And, and 95% of the time, I've found that people just, they just stuff it down. They, they don't want to... They, they don't want to face it because the trauma, the pain is too much. And I, I just want to submit this to you guys, that if we're going to experience any type of emotional inner healing, we're going to have to face some of our own demons. We're going to have to face some of our own pain. We're going to have to face some of our own trauma. We're going to have to get back in there and dig through the archives. I'm, it's it's It seems weird because it... It almost seems senseless, like it shouldn't happen, but it should. Listen, simply for me, 
I was brought into, I'm just going to simply give a, a brief, um, a, you know, a brief thing about how I was led through this. This is, this is what it was. I literally sat in a room. These guys who, it was the weirdest thing with these guys who were like all into inner healing. They were like, they just like, it was like their mojo, just like prayer is for us. It's like, that probably is not the right word, but it's like their thing. Just like, you know, we pray, we, whatever, we're the house of prayers, sure. But inner healing was their thing. And it was as simple as this. They're just like, Daryl, close your eyes. And like, we're just, we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to, um, to bring to mind um, what he might want to talk about here today. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? And the weirdest thing, just close my eyes, trust. I was kind of weirded out going through it. And we prayed for a little bit. And the guy just said, Daryl, simply, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? And I simply just share the first thing that comes to mind. And it just happened to be my past in my family and the history of brokenness and abuse that we went through. Oddly enough, don't know how or why it did, but it did. Because the Holy Spirit knows, and he wants to identify and trigger those areas so that we can experience true wholeness, true health, true freedom. Not just live a life of stuffing it down saying it doesn't bother me. No, those things do bother me. And rather, if you see it now or if you'll see the effects of it in years to come, it's important, and it's important to the Lord. God cares about the inner man. He cares about the inner place. It's not just enough that I come with my suit and tie on, and I, I have a pretty little smile on my face, and I come all churched up, church looking, and just like, woo! No, because God can see through that veneer. He says, no. I, 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 I look at the inward, Daryl. I care more about the innermost being of who you are. And it doesn't really match up to the nice tie you're wearing. It doesn't match up to the nice, you know, hair you have or that nice little churchy smile you have. There's something in you that I want to get. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he will rescue. He will rescue those who have been crushed. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Let's close our eyes. Hopefully this made sense. You know, studying, there's so many veins that could have went in. I just felt like maybe this was the best one. Maybe, maybe a little bit different than the way I usually communicate. But Holy Spirit, we just want to put our trust in you right now. God, we understand that it's... Um, it's not just words, Lord, that we need today. As we go on this journey, as we talk about the topic of inner healing, God, it's not just words, it's not just scripture we need today. We need a delivering power of the Holy Spirit. And so we look to you now in this moment. We look to you and we ask, Lord, that you would minister to us, Lord. God, even as I brought up Emotional trauma, God, I ask, Lord, that you begin to reveal those areas of trauma in our life where um, maybe through the years we have forgotten. But I just ask, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would bring back up to the surface God, any places where we have unforgiveness, God, any places, Lord, where we have been hurt and pained. And instead of, Lord, um, releasing those who have hurt us, releasing those who have brought pain into our life and forgiving them, God, and repenting, God, I ask, Lord, that you would come and reveal by the power of your Holy Spirit. 
God, I ask, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name, we look to you in this moment. If I could get Will, if I could get you down just to play a little bit. We're just, it's a little early. We're going to take some time. I don't know exactly what the Lord, where the Lord would bring us, but I, I just trust that, uh, and I just, I want more than there to just to be words here tonight. I want there to be the demonstration of power, the Holy Spirit's power. You know, for me, it wasn't just hearing somebody preach. It wasn't just somebody uh, hearing somebody talk out of the Word of God. It was the Holy Spirit encountering my heart and delivering me. Trauma is real, guys. And the Lord wants us to live. Let's take some time. Begin to pray if you can. Just open your, open your mouth and just ask the Holy Spirit to come. This is more than just me and what I can do. This is us engaging together. And just asking, Holy Spirit, what would you do now? What would you, how would you minister to us? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead, come on, open your voices and pray. I got something stirred in my heart. Some of you here today, you don't believe there's not any area where you're convinced that the Lord would ever want to be close to you when you're in that season of brokenness. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the Genesis story where Adam and Eve sinned and the first thing they did was hide. And God's walking through the garden and saying, guys, where are you? Where are you? I want to be with you. Of course he knew, but he, he's looking for that walk, Right? And there's some of you today that you think God wants nothing to do with you. And instead of, instead of getting close to him, you run and hide. I'm telling you guys, as long as we do that, man, we are preventing, we are preventing so much that God wants to do in our hearts. Listen, if that's you, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet. You're not convinced that the Lord wants to be near you. Just close your eyes. You're not convinced that the Lord actually, He doesn't want to just leave you in that brokenness. He wants to rescue you. You don't see God. You see Him as a man who is preoccupied with far much greater details of life rather than the intricate details of your life as an individual. I tell you, according to Psalms, I am convinced that God wants to be near. He not only wants to be near, but He wants to rescue you. He wants to rescue you. Come on, if that's you, stand to your feet. I believe there's more. Stand to your feet. We're going to ask the Lord to touch us in a profound way. Thank you, Jesus. There's some of us here today that we know that we're not handling, we're not handling things right according to the word of God when we are faced with hardships, when we are faced with pain. Instead of, instead of handling things in a godly manner, we are overreacting. We are, um, maybe, maybe, um, maybe even I I see a mother yelling at her kid and, and it's just because there's so much, uh, um, pressure on you to, to kind of be all things at all times for her. And instead of handling things in a godly manner, you are lashing out at your kids. 
And God wants to say, listen, listen, I want to teach you a better way. I want to show you a different way. Come on, you know that your emotions are not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If that's you, stand to your feet. We want to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Just going to follow this through. Come on, you know that your responses are contrary to a man or a woman who is filled with the Holy Spirit. And you want a different way. You want a better way. I don't believe that there's any of us that for a moment... I want to be convinced that the Lord wants nothing to do with us at a time when we need Him the most. I tell you, friend, that He wants to be there. He wants to be there. He is there. Close your eyes. Come on. We're going to pray for you in a little bit, but I'm just going to ask for words of knowledge as we're ministering. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on feel as though there's some of you that instead of um, instead of going to God what do I mean by going to God actually going to him in prayer going to him in worshiping you have other outlets when you are when you are feeling bound when you are feeling depressed maybe it's sexual outlets maybe instead of maybe instead of pursuing God in the midst of brokenness you're pursuing pornography or you're pursuing some other outlet i want you come on let's get clean let's 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 run to god rather than staying ensnared in our sin come on there's some of you that are giving in to things that you know you should not why because the pressure is so hard and you think you just need some relief and that relief is going to come from some other avenue other than god but i tell you today Be convinced of this. God wants to bring that relief. He wants to rescue you, friend. You see, the problem with David is that his sin brought forth more sin. That brought forth more sin. That brought forth more sin. Until he was in utter devastation and he was in a pit. And some of you, it's just like that. Instead of confessing and getting right and getting real before God, your life is in this perpetual season of just falling and digging that hole deeper. I tell you, I know somebody who wants to reach into that hole and grab your hand. His name is Jesus. I'm not being corny. I'm being real, guys. Come on, if that's you, if you're seeking out other outlets, if you're seeking out other avenues to try to fill this void of emptiness in your heart, stand to your feet. God wants to take care of the issue today. It may be music. It may be a whole herd of things that you're running to rather than God. Thank you, Lord. God, this evening we confess our sins before you. God, we don't look at them as anything else other than sin, God. Lord, we thank you for the power of forgiveness. We thank you for your mercy. Now, God, I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would touch us powerfully. Those who have stand, God, those who have become honest, Lord, and have stand at their feet, God, I ask, Lord, for the power of God to move mightily on their behalf. 
if some of you are not standing, I want you just to gather around those who are and begin to pray for them. Those who are not standing, if you would just help me out. Gather around your brothers and sisters. Come on, the Word of God says that if one suffers, we all suffer. If one goes through something, we all are going through it together. I want in faith us just to reach our hands out to our brothers and our sisters and pray for them. Don't just pray weak prayers. Don't just pray pitiful prayers. Pray strong prayers of faith. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the power of the Spirit. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, if somebody doesn't have somebody around them, go to them and pray for them. God, we just... We believe today, God, that you want to deliver us, God. You want to rescue us. You want to rescue us, God. And here we are, God. Here we are. We're asking for the rescue of the Lord. Jesus. I see a couple people that don't have prayer, people praying for them. If there's more than two people around, some people go to a person who is standing and pray for them, please. Thank you, Jesus. There's far too many standing for me to pray for everybody. Pray with faith in your hearts. Pray like it's your breakthrough you need. Pray like it's your answer that you need. Come on. God. We believe. Let's pray a little bit more. Let's go into this. I believe you're my healer. I believe you more. Jesus, you are all we need.
Nothing is possible for me, Jesus. Thank you, God. Lift your hands up if you haven't had prayer yet. Lift your hands up if you have not received prayer. Okay, good. Awesome. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. thing about 2 Samuel 12.20 is that David in the midst of his trauma, in the midst of his hurt and his pain, he did what? He went to the temple and worshipped God immediately. Listen, it's as simple as this. Don't complicate this. When you get in that place of hardship, man, there, listen, there is something beautiful about worshipping God on the mountainside in the high place. And when life is good, Things are great, and nothing can get us down. But there is something even more powerful. When you are in the valley, when you're in that low place, when things aren't all that they should be or according to you and your good, there's something powerful about worshiping the Lord. Listen, I want to encourage you, musician or not, we are all called to worship the Lord. And worship has nothing to do with this right here. And I want to encourage you, you can go to God. I don't want to just encourage you that you can go to God. You should go to God immediately. Let David, let David be our model when it comes to experiencing hardship. Listen, he lost his son. <laughs> and when he heard the news, he immediately washed himself. God, listen, he wasn't just getting over it. He wasn't just like, oh, oh well, let's just, that's great. I guess that happened, but I'm going to get over it. No, David's smart. He knows exactly what he was doing. God is his source. God is his help. I encourage you. You don't have to be a musician. You don't have to play an instrument. You don't have to have a good voice. If you would only just start to go to God in worship, when you're in those seasons, man, it is powerful. Some of my most powerful times in worship, guys, is when I'm in that valley. And it makes no sense. It makes utterly no sense at all to worship God. But yet when I choose to, He meets me. And He will meet you. And you will be taken back and caught off guard with the power of that worship and that exchange between you and Jesus. Come on. He is near to the brokenhearted, and he wants to rescue those who are crushed in spirit. Is he not good? Is he not good? Amen. Listen, if you're still getting prayer, Will's going to continue to play. Um, we're going to close our service down. 
encourage you, if there's anybody who needs prayer, wants me to pray with them, I'd love to. Um, I'll stand up here for a while and wait. I know that you've um, got prayer from some of the friends here. But listen, there, you can never not get enough prayer. You know, it's, there's, there's, as much as you can get, I'd encourage you to get. But I'm here if you have anything that you want to talk about or discuss further. We love you guys, and we'll see you next Sunday.